Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. This is a special episode of The Creep Dive. Hear that all that, uh, see that noise you just made there, special guest? That's me. Um, it's Creep Dine with me. Creep Dine with me. Creep Dine, Creep Dine. Welcome, Megan and Hazel. Thank you. Brave souls who are not nervous not no, worried about your safety or anything. No, 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 God no. God they seem no. normal. So um, important housekeeping up top this week is uh, who is the least intimidating? Of the three. Of us. No comment. How <laughs> <laughs> is that a question? We're not intimidating. I know, but I you think I just... tried to make it out that I was. You, sorry, you no. just fulfilled, you just did a self-fulfilling prophecy there. I think now by default, I'm I'm the least exactly. intimidating. Am I right? Am I right? Well, I was here first. Yeah. I was the friendliest at the door. But imagine, like, do I intimidate you? <laughs> anyway, Come space. up to my attic where I lock you in and question you about my level of intimidating. Quite no. literally. Oh, <laughs> exactly what happened. Yeah. Alrighty, well, housekeeping so of top. This is exciting. Um, follow us on all the things at the Creep Dive at Dive Creep on Patreon.com forward slash the Creep Dive if you'd like to give us four dollars. Review of the week this week goes to the only new review we've had, Sam K eighty four, who says, "I love this podcast. The girls are brilliant. They bring all the creeps." I love their genuine reactions to each other's stories, even the interruptions. That's the first time we've got a compliment on the interruptions. Um, which are, which there are many. Okay. <laughs> okay, Sam. Okay, Sam. Calm down, Sam. Nice. Send us in your details and we will send you a tote, please. At Dive Creep. I read nice. Sam's username as Skank84. Sam <laughs> K84 don't call Sam a skank or they'll revoke one of those stars Jen's old MSN handle was skank84 wasn't it Jen yeah 
First, me and Cassie are sharing a mic. We're very, very close. It's, it's probably bad, bad, bad like centimeters. <clears throat> very, very close. Um, so this week I have nothing. I took a week off after my long creep last week. Jen, you have special, a special creep of the week. Shout out to um, Jeff, old Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that fucking arsehole. Mm-hmm. But I'm loving all the theories that it's not him. I know. Apparently the guards fell asleep. Well, mm, well, did. there was apparently. Yeah. Right. I have no idea what you're talking about. What? Ah, you do. I haven't listened to the news. He's a man, apparently not a billionaire, who I think is actually more of a millionaire, mm. who was up for charges of um, child, child, child trafficking and rape and various other horrific. And apparently, there's loads of billionaires involved in it. Like, oh my including god, including Prince Bill, Kit- Bill Clinton, <laughs> Prince Philip, uh, loads of people implicated. Yeah, a para. Yeah. Oh my god. Of the powers that be. It's like, have you started the Netflix The Family Doc? No. No, but I've read such good things about it. So good. It's like a secret society of Christians in America who are all in power and how their their whole thing is that they want leadership led by God, but they're actually all just bastards. Oh, thank you. To summarize. Mm. Okay. Very good. But Jeffrey was found dead. And there's a suggestion that he what, he didn't kill himself. Yeah, so they're saying, like, allegedly yes. he committed suicide. But so he was on, while on suicide watch, crucial. Yeah. And it just so happened to be the day that they opened the files that they were going to investigate the, the, all these other people of notoriety that were on the his in his little black book. So it's also, he was on suicide watch because he was, he did make an attempt at his own life and was hospitalised for that back in jail County prison type place, <clears throat> and the, then he then they took him off suicide watch. Within two weeks, they were like, "You seem cool." He's back in the game. Jeff's back. <laughs> but did he not? Yeah, did he not try? Did he not attempt suicide twice? He and did. did he not do a very elaborate? Did I read this? Was this him who had the very very elaborate suicide that he crafted a knife with a tin can? No, I didn't read that. Okay, I was reading it was, something else. It was more of a garroting. Oh. Oh. Did you guys see the pictures comparing his profile and ear to uh, Hillary Clinton's deceased brother Brother, who died earlier in the year? Yes. The idea being that they put the brother on ice to then, this is the Clintons now, their machinations, to then like stage the death of Jeffrey Epstein and swap in. Swap the body. body. Yeah. But I mean, if if you're in a secret... You did, Jen, seriously. Yeah, no, it, what? The ears look, don't lie. The ears, as we learned before in the... I'm Googling this. In the, um, <laughs> <laughs> we learned that with the Frederick Boudouin story that it was his ears that gave him away in the end. I know, crazy. Ears are like Not the fact that he was like a 40-something French man yeah. pretending to be a 17-year-old American boy. It was <laughs> the ears. It was the ears. That was his downfall. Yeah, they're like fingerprints, apparently. Attached <laughs> <laughs> to very different heads. <laughs> okay, here I am. Oh, no, no, no. I'm in a different Epstein conspiracy with new fake ear theory. Oh, the fake ear theory. I love it. Oh, they're going to they're going We're to going theory theory within theory. Okay, so, Jen, do you want to do a mini? That's it. Creep then we'll week. go to our Creep Dine With Me guests for a gripping tale. And Sophie will round us out with 
no doubt a two hour tale <laughs> um, before bedtime. Just basically one of the worst things I've ever had to do. And now I'm going to offload it on you guys. Amazing. Oh, you made <laughs> <laughs> So before we start, just welcome to our guests. Just give us a little bit for the creep creepettes out there. Who are you guys? Um, I'm Megan and massive true crime podcast fan. And then I came across this and I've been gripped. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think I listened to like the first, I think I started listening to it about It was six recently, ago. yeah. Yeah, like very, very recent. And I listened to like it all within like seven, kind of like eight days. The weirdest eight <laughs> yeah. days of your life. Yeah, but see, it actually wasn't. <laughs> I think that's what's really. It was like coming home. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Sometimes exactly. we record in here and then we walk outside and it's bright and I'm like, what is the world? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Hazel and uh, I suppose I was introduced to the creep dive by my friend Sarah and I've been, yeah, same as Megan, hooked ever since. Excellent. Well, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for being Hazel told me about it, so. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being our brave first guest. No, no so I'm impressed because Megan's got handwritten notes, longhand, and it's wholesome on one side. <laughs> no, like, let's not go there. Okay, we, did, we can't out her job, but basically it's written on the back of something that looks... Couldn't be more wholesome. It's kind of emblematic of childhood and happiness. Exactly. Yeah. And then exactly. the other side it's is our creep. Just dark, dark, dark shit. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Do you have a BuzzFeed headline? Wait, Jen is starting with her mini creep. No, I already did. It was, it was Epstein. Okay, Jen, well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... Okay, so my BuzzFeed headline would be, I think my first name is Stephen. Oh. <laughs> okay. Get closer to the mic there. We need to hear you. No, you will hear me. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So, in the 4th of December in 1972, Stephen Stainer was abducted at the age of seven. And he was abducted by two men. Always. Kenneth, always. Always men. Yeah, we Kenneth Parnell that. and... Irvin Edward Murphy. We're just going to call him Mr. Murph from here on because it's a big long name. So basically, they went around California pretending to be looking for donations for church, but they wanted to kidnap a child. Yeah. So basically, he did Which that. Which is a good ruse. Isn't 100%. It? 100%. What, what year are we in again? 1992. Yeah. So like all faith being in the church, <coughs> all faith being in your local pastor, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And get leaflets. Yeah, and you approach a child and say, wasn't it like they're looking for donations for the church and the child, Stephen is like, oh, I don't have any money. Obviously, I'm seven. But he was like, my my mom mom might might donate. And they were like, oh, like, do you think like if we brought you home, like, would your mom give us some? They're like, yeah. So So the pastor is giving you a lift home. Oh, no. Can I just say one crucial piece of information that you left out? Oh, sorry. That Parnell was a convicted child molester. Yeah, but nobody knew that at the time. They did. He was convicted. But Stephen was seven. He didn't know. No, he didn't know. But you guys need to know that. Okay. It was known by by the authorities. Yes. Yeah. So he was held captive not far from where his granddad lived. So it was like... Oh, yes. Like, it was kind of like they lived in, like... The suburbs, kind of. Yeah, but it was in, like, you know, like, the trailer parks? Mm. It was was kind of like that. So it was, like, kind of, like, on opposite ends. Or, like, it was in quite close relation to like where his his granda lived and it's kind of where he was kept for the first while and like he was like molested and raped and you oh name it God. it happened quite early on so 
he kept on like every time Stephen wanted to go home he kept saying no no like your parents like they can't afford to keep you anymore so like they've given me custody of you oh, so he had Real loads of siblings yeah there were yeah. six of them Five and he was like yeah he was like basically he was walking home from school they got him into the car brought him to this cabin in the suburbs near his granddad and then they were like look your parents just as Megan said can't afford to keep you I now have legal custody of you I'm now your new dad you have oh. to call me dad so I had to like basically convinced Stephen to call him dad yeah and then he renamed him yeah and but the, the other guy Murph yeah uh, Mr Murph like he had like he learning difficulties and like he wasn't like the full shilling like he was definitely a victim of Parnell yeah. he wasn't okay. like an accomplice yeah okay definitely yeah so they kept him captive he like he was basically allowed to do what he wanted for like the whole time he was there so except not be raped well, that. Well, yes. <laughs> but, like, he wasn't, like, head in an attic on the top floor of a creepy building. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Much like we are. Shout out to yeah. the current scenario. Yeah. Um, no, like, he went to school. He, like, had a life. He, he was renamed as Dennis Gregory Parnell. So he kept his, like, original middle name, kept his date of birth, and, like, enrolled him in school and, like, told the principals that he was his dad and then like kind of moved around America for a while and like he was allowed to do like what every other like young boy does like he played football he played baseball like he did all these normal things oh my god but when you come to like parent teacher meetings and stuff in school is nobody no no didn't bat just and Stephen's just like yeah but he's not not Stephen anymore he's Dennis yeah so he's been brainwashed to believe that he's now Dennis Mm -hmm. okay so So he's he doesn't even see a point in telling anyone about what happened not really no because he like he's been told that his parents don't his want parents him his parents don't want him and they can't afford to keep him anymore I guess and he's just in deep trust with the pastor and the and does he realise that your man at any stage is not a pastor or does he I don't think so no I don't it do, think it's so it's never really mentioned again like yeah. it no. wasn't like he just he, it says like your man Parnell has just like menial jobs like changing from week to week kind of thing like he was a night guard somewhere somewhere he was security somewhere else he you know just did like random little jobs yeah like, and like he wasn't like Stephen wasn't like locked up no. and like chained to yeah, a bed or yeah. something like he was allowed to do whatever he wanted so nobody Went to looked school. at the situation and thought this is dodge this is dodge hmm. okay anyway so he started drinking at a young age smoking at a young age he was allowed to do whatever he wanted so he just kept living his own life and uh, because of Parnell's job he was like left on his own for long periods of time like a couple of days at a time but he like later on in life he said like if I could have escaped I would have but I didn't know how to like he didn't know where mm. to go to get the help to escape so mm-hmm. how far was he from his home um it varies because I moved around but it was okay. like 200 miles oh, a long way yeah so he wasn't like by then like by then but like he was kind of like they moved around California a couple yeah days. yeah so um there's like not very many positives to the story mm. but one of them is that he got a dog and I know it sounds so so menial but it's with him throughout the whole thing so he has this dog called Queenie with him the whole time and it's kind of like his only support that he has and like even there's a movie that goes with this and like even in the movie like the dog plays like such a vital role in the movie because it was his like best but friend. like what's so creepy is like that like Parnell was like oh like this dog Queenie it's like I feel so sorry for you because of your family situation like here's a dog to like oh, keep you company fuck. because you don't have all those siblings that you had like back at home Here's a dog teeth company. Like, uh, what? Are they going to do something to the dog? No, the no, dog no, no. is fine. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, the dog's fine. I'm <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. Grand. Okay. Um, yeah, so then Parnell got a girlfriend. Barbara. Weird. And Barbara. Barbara. And Barbara lived with them for like a year and a half. Good old Babs. Good old Babs. There's always a woman. Always. I know, and she's always fucked up. 
Well, of yeah. course it has to be, obviously. <laughs> um, no, She's always very unobservant. Well, yeah. well wait. So oh. Barbara and Parnell raped. Oh, Barbara, stop. I can't be dealing with that at all. Oh, Stephen, my God. Like on numerous occasions. He was only like nine years old. Oh, stop. And Barbara always claimed that she never knew that he had been abducted and was kidnapped. So, but she was actively oh. thinking then she was just raping Parnell. So yeah, so it's stop. fucked either it's, way. It's, it's, totally. <laughs> which way's worse? Wrong. Oh, my oh God. Yeah, it's really Jesus. fucked up. Um, and then he tried to get Barbara to lure more children into the mix, but uh, she was never successful. So he just kept like driving around the same thing he did with Mr. Murph, but with Barbara to get more young boys because Stephen was getting older. So but, like she was up for like kidnapping oh, kids left, right, and centre. But, but it just, was never successful. They just weren't able to like trying to like Rosemary and Fred West. Style. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah, exactly. Just Which cruising around. This was all happening when he was starting to like reach puberty and obviously was no use to Parnell anymore because he wasn't a small boy. Just tell me somebody kills him. No. Just wait. Just wait. Um, so Be patient, Jen. <laughs> I feel like they're resisting the urge to say it gets worse. Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. guys. This okay. is too dark. At least they brought sweets. Okay. <laughs> so he, so Parnell then decides that if Bob's can't help, he's going to get Stephen to start helping him kidnap kids. And he could go around, try to do it, but it's unsuccessful. And later in life, Stephen says like he intentionally sabotaged it because he didn't want anyone else to go through what he went through. So I still don't know if that's true. But at that stage, he would have been totally indoctrinated. I mean, yeah. massively. But like, even if he was, he still didn't kidnap anyone. No, I know that. But like, I just feel like it was like, oh, he was unsuccessful. And then he then said that he was like, well, he, yes, of course, you're going to say that. Obviously, you're going to say that. I just feel like maybe like somewhere deep down, he just didn't try hard enough. Maybe. Like, you know, he might not have intentionally known he wasn't trying, but like, he yeah, wasn't. Yeah, there was something yeah. there. That there was something there telling him, like, it. this he is not a good thing to do. Yeah. We cannot be victim blaming <laughs> this poor child. <laughs> he just didn't try hard enough <laughs> not <laughs> to kidnap. He just no, he didn't no, kidnap No, he didn't kidna- kidnap anyone. So what did he not try hard enough at? To kidnap he, them. He, like he didn't oh, sorry, that's kidnap. what you're saying. Sorry. Never mind. So deep, deep down, his failure at kidnapping was... It was his, his subconscious. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm, all, I'm here for <laughs> I'm supporting him. Okay. Right. So then in February 1998, 1980, the shit hit the fan. So Carnell managed. The shit was already Wait, on the fan. The okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some complaining here behind Sorry, Sorry about that. Mike. Uh, so Terrible Carnell, whispering, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Parnell got one of Stephen's friends, Randall Sean Poorman, to kidnap a five-year-old boy no. called Timothy <gasps> White. No. And how he did it was he bribed him with drugs and moolah. So, yeah, oh yeah, because because no, Stephen has started Randall. drinking and smoking when he's quite young. So yeah. he, he kind of has... He's the cool house that okay. you can go to. Yeah, and like, he's like, there's so beer you in the fridge. So can like have a few drinks. Yeah, and, so yeah. it's grand. But not when you're five. <laughs> No. What did you say? Sorry. Yeah, he bribed Randall, the you friend. He bribed the child with drugs and stuff. The friend. No, no, no. <laughs> the friend. Stephen's friend. So it's quite a kind like... of willful misunderstanding, Buzz. <laughs> you trying to ruin this? I'm not trying. I can't. It's so dark. 
She's trying to railroad Don't it's listen to her. It's because there's five people in the room. It's too much. <laughs> it can't cope. Anyway. Timothy so. White is a very familiar name. Go on. Go no. on. Anyway. You're thinking of Timothy Pitson, no? Maybe. Who is Timothy Pitson? Okay, go, yeah. go, go. Sorry. Anyway, so he's helicoptered for like two weeks. And Stephen is kind of like, I can't do this. Like, this is like, the shit has hit the fan. I cannot He's do five. this. This kid is five. Yeah. So one night when... Stephen's what, like 14 now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one night when... Uh, what's his name? Parnell. Parnell is at work. They hitchhike from like their cabin in like the suburbs into the town to try and reunite Timothy with his family. So they manage to get into a car, hitchhike all the way into town, but they can't find house because Timothy's only five five. and doesn't know where he lives. What freaks me about this part is that Stephen's not like this is my opportunity to go myself. He's like I want to reunite this child with his family and then he's like I'll just go back to the cabin. But sure he thinks that's his family though no? He does He does know like he he like when like he's gotten to the stage where he's like he probably does have Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah but he's also like a 14 year old kid who plays football and like American football so he's like a big kid so he could easily probably like take Parnell out if he really wanted to so I think Parnell's kind of a bit scared of him in one sense as well because that's why he's getting this small kid so that he can do it all again with the small kid and Stephen probably doesn't know where to go like he believes that his family willingly gave him up to a pastor seven years ago and probably doesn't remember the details of where he lived or who was who. Totally, yeah. After being at in seven, captivity like, for seven, eight years. Yeah. Like. yeah. I can't actually cope with this fucking story. Okay, go on. Okay, Give me some. On. What about Queenie? Like, Queenie's, Queenie's left at home. Yeah. Queenie's Grant. left at home. She's still She's around. still alive. She's in the cabin. Do right. you want to just Google image a few pics of dogs just to get oh, you through it? Do you want to see this gorgeous new picture I put up of Scout today? Like back in Devastated the she didn't bring the dog with her. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was too many people, but next time. Too many living creatures in this room. <laughs> anyway, so they get into the city, the, vit, the town or whatever, and they can't find the house. So Stephen's like, right, the best thing to do is go into the police station. Thank Fuck. Yeah, so he's like, we have to go in on your own because... I can't be... I yeah. can't be here, like. So he goes into the police station, Timothy totally freaks out and, like, runs back out of the police station, but he's been spotted by the police. So the police, like, follow him out and they're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, who are you? Did you kidnap him? What's going on? And they're both detained by the police. So straight away, Stephen tells them, this is Timothy White. He's been kidnapped. Is he okay, Timothy, at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's, like, mentally traumatised for being kidnapped for two weeks. But, like, yeah, yeah, he's fine. Okay. Anyway, so that's when my BuzzFeed headline comes into it. So he, like, it t- says, this is Timothy White, and I think my first name's Stephen. Oh, here we and go. And he tells them who he is. So he knew. I mean. Well, he, he thought his How first. did he know his first name? Oh, sure, he remembers. He was seven. Well, he was seven. Sorry, he what am I saying? He was a baby. And maybe when they, when they kidnapped the five-year-old, it all came back to him. I, I think that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Was so, and I think this is once he was in the police station, he was like, there's no way of me getting out of this because Parnell's going to come and have to get me anyway because I'm yeah. 14. Like, what do I do? This is my and chance. And obviously just yeah. haven't. Yeah. 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 So... The next morning, by the next morning, Parnell has been arrested and taken into custody, taken into custody and all the rest and all the good stuff or whatever. And the two boys are reunited with their family on the same day. What about Murph? He was kind of only there for like the first week. 
So he wasn't around. I the think whole Parnell time. just fucked him over to the side because yeah. he was like, "This fella's not doing anything for me." Do you think he brought him around trying to get money for the church with the kind of feeling that Murphy? Oh, one hundred percent, hundred percent part of the, they were going to help Murphy. Yeah, the church yeah. Were looking after yeah. him. Yeah, okay, Grant. definitely. He was a lure. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. So the police also looked into Parnell and discovered that he'd been convicted of sodomy in 1951. And as Hazel said, he'd been like convicted of child molestation. He'd been convicted of like loads of like, I want to say minor things. I mean, they're not minor. But, but yeah, in, they're not. In the grand, in the scheme, grand of scheme of things, of everything he's done, they're like. And it wasn't in just one state, was it? No, it was in it loads of different like, places. So, like, the police records weren't really very, like, cohesive. So like oh, my God, we thing. get that so often. They just don't share their fucking yeah. records across its county borders or no. whatever. Yeah, so they're about returned to their families on the 1st of March. And if you watch the movie, Stephen Strainer plays the policeman who returns himself to his parents. Oh, really? So he yeah. has a cameo in the movie. Yeah. And he's, like, like, walking the actor up to the front door to return oh my god yeah so your man like Stephen Sainer had like a big role in the movie of like how it was portrayed and like the facts and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting but that now hold on home yeah did they get into it that's where it all went tits up again yeah, so guys, his story isn't house. even like <gasps> nearly over. Because like, yeah. Stephen was so used to drinking and smoking whenever he wanted, yeah. so he was like totally messed up. And then his family or his his dad was like, "I just can't deal with you and your behaviour. Like, get out." So he kicked him out of the house. Um, but then, like, it kind of when he got a little bit older in his twenties, things yeah, started like he kind got of married. Up. Yeah, I'm after losing my notes, but he got married. Okay, um, he had two kids. He had two kids. He. You know, was kind of doing well. He was going around and he was talking to like um, child abduction groups and like, you know, giving them his side of things and like how he thinks that people should help kids and deal with it. So he spoke, and he had yeah, like a secure job, like he was like a security guard or something. Yeah, like, like he was kind of living his life as best he could. Mm-hmm. He like talked to kids about like the personal safety, like how not to get into a car with somebody. This better not be going where I think it's going. It's it's actually not going anywhere okay. I think it's going to go. It's actually going to go <laughs> in two different directions and so even worse yeah, than you can so ever imagine. Worse. No. Yeah. And like he like, he had loads of, in- he like went through loads of interviews about his kidnapping and all this and then on the 16th of September in 1989 Stephen was in a fatal motorbike accident and died. Grant, phew. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're still not done it's not over yet. We're talking I'm about like, it. was Stephen not even Stephen? No, we Stephen were, was Stephen. Okay. We were talking about how conditioned we are. So where did you think that oh, that was going to go? I thought he was going to just start a big... Cult or something. <laughs> horrific. Uh, maybe he was messing around with his own kids. No. I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. 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 Jennifer. That's why. <laughs> That's why I'm relieved. He's dead. <laughs> I mean, it's shit life. I'm sorry for you, but it's probably for the best now. But he anyway. was getting it back on track and yeah, then like was, that dead. Yeah. Oh, never, you Got could him. never come back from that. Well, he you did. can't come back from the dead either, Jennifer. Well, at least that's the, for sure. Anyway, 500 people attended his funeral and Timothy White carried his coffin. Aww. Oh, Timothy stop. The yes. yeah. he said, so well, I was going to say like saved, but... So Stephen was like hailed a national hero. Yeah, because he... Yeah, because he'd saved, saved the kid and then he survived this whole he thing. He also kidnapped and... the kid, but he didn't. No, he didn't. No, oh my he God, did. he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Sorry. Was he not there at the police station? Then he said who he thought he was. Yeah, he brought the kid to reunite the kid. He Sorry, brought okay, Timothy. Okay, there's so much darkness in this room. She <laughs> cannot see for the darkness. Right, right just so to Stephen... recap for Jen. <laughs> okay. Stevens, Parnell bribed Stephen's friend, Randall. Randall. 
with drugs and alcohol and money to go kidnap a child, which he did. Randall kidnapped Timothy and brought him back to Parnell, at which point Stephen understood that maybe what had happened to him wasn't the way that it would been portrayed. And so Stephen took Timothy in a car to a police station. To bring him back. To bring him back. Okay, fine. Great. So at which point not tragically died after turning his whole life around. And yeah. being an advocate for... At 24 for, years of age, he died. Think, I think oh. it's a relief. No, it's I, I sense there's some awful revelation coming. Right, so he was hailed a national hero and uh. Kenneth Parnell was rightfully demonised the whole shebang and he got seven years in prison for it. <gasps> And he what? only served five. Oh he served my five. So he's good behaviour. Five years. That's unbelievable. That's because there's no children in prison. To yeah, it's true. That's true. He'd be, well, yeah. he, that's, he's going to yeah, get good behaviour in prison. Yeah. Five years. So. Then what happened? <laughs> no, yeah. I have something else. Hold on. So in 2004, Parnell convinced his, was trying to convince his nurse to kidnap a kid from like 2004 like I don't know when he was born like, 2004 now, like he had to have been at least, least 20 in 1970 oh no he was older than that like I mean, I'm going probably, conservative guess yeah, yeah probably late 20s I'd guess yeah. early 30s yeah so, so like by 2004 he's like, he's like well, well on his way out yeah so the nurse obviously knew all the history and like contacted the police straight away and he was arrested and Timothy was subpoenaed to testify in court and they read out Stephen's testimony from like the previous trial yeah. and Parnell was sentenced to 25 years to life in a California medical facility because of his age and because obviously he wasn't well. Hospital. Yeah, and then on the 21st of January 2008, he died. Wow. So he's dead, so we don't need to worry about him. Good, anymore. he's gone. Yeah. So then Timothy's life kind of was good for a while. So he joined the LA County Sheriff's Department and became a deputy. But unfortunately, on the 1st of April 2010, he died of pulmonary embolism. Fucking misery. Left behind a wife and two kids. Oh, oh my God. God. There's no happiness in the story. Absolutely. There's no yeah. happiness. And it's not even finished. And there's a waiting the for fuck? the last Who bit. else is there to die? Wait. Queenie. Just wait. No. No, no Queenie is fine. I'm sure que- she died of old age at some point. Yeah. Randall. Murph. No. Okay. Randall. So no, in one mentioned no, one, so far. no one mentioned so far. Oh. So 2010, a statue of Timothy and Stephen was, was erected. And there, it was like a portrayal of like Stephen holding Timothy's hand and like leading him to safety. Okay. And it was like erected in a park and it was all great. So what could make this story worse? Okay, I I have a theory, but it's so bad. I okay. don't even want to say on, it. Go on, did, go on. Did Stephen do something no, no. that hadn't come out? No, no, okay, no, no. Thank no. God. Okay, so... <laughs> Jeez. No, it's just another bit of happiness stripped from Stephen's life waiting to happen. Okay, the short so. life that he did lead, not in captivity. Oh, you said that with such a grin on your face. <laughs> such glee. Do I intimidate you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Get so uh, Stephen's brother, Carrie Stainer. Stephen's brother, right? Okay, so he his older brother. His older brother. <gasps> so he works. No, don't say no, that. Don't <laughs> You're so, never gonna guess. No, I swear I know this. Okay. No. <laughs> Wait. Oh. What did you say off mic? She said he abducted a child, but no. But he no. didn't. Sorry, I thought she's it was making like, it up as she goes. No, 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 no. There's another story that intersects with another story, and I thought it was the truck. Okay. okay. So he works as a handyman in the Cedar Lodge Motel, and between February and July of 1999, he murders two women and two teenagers. What the fuck? 
serial killer. He's a serial killer. All in the one go. Yeah. In the one school. night. No, 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 no. No, over the course Eight of like... Eight months, was it? Well... Maybe more? February to July. What, four months? What are the chances? Where are we in a small town yeah. here? We're in Yosemite. We're at Yosemite National okay, Park. Okay, he's... Now. Okay. Yeah, so he mur- murders uh, Carol Sund and her daughter, Julie. And then Julie's friend, she's also an exchange student, Sylvia, from Argentina. So they are like, you know, touring Yosemite, living their best lives from Argentina doing all like the touristy stuff that you do and the mother and daughter were found in the trunk of a charred rental car and the bodies were so burnt that the only way they were identified was by their dental Ears, records the only thing they didn't burn <laughs> they were identified by their dental records yeah and then a note was sent to the police with a hand drawn map telling them the location of the third victim um, and at the top of the note it said we had fun with this one and then investigators followed the map and found the Argentinian Sylvania. I don't know what her name is. It's <laughs> unlikely she's listening. She's also <laughs> dead. That's why. <laughs> anyway, so they found her and she had her throat slit and she was obviously dead. Hey Jenny, have you right. been there? Well, <laughs> probably a relief really, wasn't it? <laughs> No. I thank God she's dead anyway. There's a fourth victim though. So employees at the Cedar Lodge ho- uh, Motel were all interviewed, but they didn't think of Carrie uh, as a suspect. And then the the fourth victim was a woman called Joey Ruth Armstrong. I'm so pronouncing her name wrong. And she was found. No, no, Joey Ruth Armstrong is probably correct. No. You it's got that. the Joey bit. It's J O I E, so. That's what I mean. I don't know. Joey, yeah. Joy. 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 I don't know. Anyway, so she worked in the nature reserve in Yosemite and she was found dead too. And they rec- they knew. They were, the eyewitnesses were like, oh, there was like this blue car outside. And when they like traced it back, they found out that it was his car. And he just shocked police by saying, yeah, I did it. And I killed the other three too. And I've wanted to kill people since I was like seven. And then blamed the whole thing on Stephen's And then blamed it all on his brother's Convenient, uh, isn't it? It was like, oh, it's just so fucked up from as a child because of what happened to my brother. My parents like ignored me because like they were so worried about my brother because he was missing. Do you think though, I mean, not that that was, but that could have contributed. I mean, it's a pretty unusual thing to happen to I mean, it would definitely mess you up. But to that extent, I can't imagine that so. you would save it all up and later kill four yeah, innocent like he people. Said, like, like in 1999, uh, he killed these people. After Stephen was returned. Yeah. Like he said, 27 years he later. Said that I'm he not trying to blame Stephen again. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just you are. Protect Carrie. <laughs> was there not something else he could have done? Um, like, I feel like he said he'd wanted to do it since he was seven and that was before Stephen went missing. So maybe it was like he wanted to do it and then the fact that he was like completely ignored as a child, he just was like, fuck it. That's what I'll do when I'm like 30 years older. God. Anyway, and the, like the really tough bit of all this. Oh, oh my god! Right. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, there actually is nothing else. That's, that's it. Oh, no, there was a park. Didn't they want to name their? They were gonna. They, 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 yeah, they were. They were gonna name. There was a park like in the town that they lived, and they wanted to name it after Stephen. They were gonna call it Stainer Park, but then everyone was like, "Well, we can't call it Stainer Park because Kerry Stainer is it's a serial, serial killer. killer." Of course. So they couldn't name the park. After. Anyway, Kerry Stainer is on death row at the moment. Happy days. Yeah. Google a picture. There you go, Jen. Have a look at them. 
Though I think I've heard that in the reverse direction. So oh, maybe. Oh. Sure. I think they did Carrie Stainer on um, FM like ages ago. Oh, easily. But yeah. they oh, never yeah, went in. They only were like, oh, his brother is adopted. Okay, sorry, okay. lads. He is a right. I know. <laughs> so I handsome. was going to say that and then I was like, oh, is it a bit morbid? He's really handsome. Ew. He's really, really handsome. Exceptionally so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, he, like he he's is. tall, dark and handsome. Yeah. And sadly... Like he's a big burly man. And sadly he's a serial killer. Could kill you, I suppose. They all could. <laughs> Any man he- here <laughs> that could kill us. And, you know, well, anyway. I have to give a big shout out to Amy, who I work with. Because Amy was like, to me, I have this DVD you need to watch. And I was like, DVD. oh yeah, what is it? A DVD? Yeah, because it's like, it, the movie was, it's from like the 80s. It's terrible, the movie, sorry. And <laughs> it's such bad it's acting. so bad. But she gave me the DVD and I was like, what a gripping story. The fact that Stephen's in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 Is it. yeah. So yeah. Well, thank God Stephen was dead and he wasn't alive to see his brother be a convicted serial killer. You could yeah. just sense his life had taken a toilet turn. So, I mean. If you, if you knew the story and then watched the movie. So when Stephen is like returned home, like the first night they're all like all sitting down having dinner and Stephen's like, so mom, like, where's Carrie? And mom's like, oh, he's just out hiking in, in Yosemite. No. Yeah. No. And it's like, oh, God, he's murdering someone. Oh my God. <laughs> so they're alluding to all of yeah. that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do, they, do they deal with it at all in the no, movie? No. Okay. No. Because it's years it after, after it's back. Yeah. Like oh, years right. after it's back. Like Stephen's already dead when... Oh my god. So she's killer. like, Carrie's just out in the back woods torturing animals. Yeah, pretty much. Casual. Yeah. Is there was did he did Stephen go on to Oprah by any chance? Did he do an interview? No, he was twenty four when he died, so was I Oprah can't imagine. Then? No, sorry, you're right, she wasn't. No. Oh, well what Well Oprah talking? herself probably was, but the T V show probably not. No, I doubt it. I doubt it somehow. Mm. Anyway, well, that, that was, a was good creep. I mean, soul destroying. Well done. Go us. I try to enjoy the high five as we all kind of like swallow. Going back to like when do things like affect you? Like, no, not at all. (laughs) Do either of you have children? No. (laughs) That's why. Thank God. The second you crack, you have children, you become this terrified kind of you ha- you you're just so vulnerable these these horrible stories get in under well they do for me yeah no 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 your whole body is like a bruise oh god and you're so fucking wide open for terror around every corner but it's good to know it's information we all should be aware of not to give money to charity <laughs> <laughs> by way of a child molester a valuable lesson it. here yes. 100% <laughs> it is uh, that was amazing thank you I mean, I, there was just downward. It was down again, just more plummeting down, down and then yeah. just kicking us while we were down there, stamping on our faces, I spitting the, in our mouths. Slow, slight <laughs> uplift with the serial killer at the end, though. Not as what? bad. Nothing like a cheery serial killer twist. Everyone loves a good serial killer. Much less bad than the child terribleness, though. Don't you agree? <sighs> Four I mean, people are one, dead. One child was molested. <laughs> two of them are children. One was molested. Two children died and two adults. I mean, you can't compare them, but you like... You can't compare. Just, but yeah. you can't compare. <laughs> and who do we have to blame for all of this, Jennifer? Stephen. <laughs> this is bad. I'm so worried say, about your actual God. soul. I know. I'm I was fucking worried about you, Jen. You know, anyway, that was amazing. <sighs> that was, I mean, a litany of 
dread and misery. <laughs> Honestly, I feel weird thanking you for it, but thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> and like it gives an extra real depth of sadness considering what you wrote your notes on 100% child related thing <laughs> anyway thank you both it's been dreamy so to bring everybody else back in the room we took a little break there for creep down at me we had our pizzas I am actually Delicious. out of breath from inhaling that thing so I yeah. would say a good 10 out of 10 pizza experience solid mm. who are we sponsored by we're not sponsored by any pizza company. I'm trying to encourage other creepettes to apply for Creep Dine with me. <laughs> <laughs> so just trying to make friends here. It Jen. was delicious. You're supposed to be luring in a sponsor. Mm. Imagine the pizza getting them sponsoring, sponsoring each. Come dive with me. I mean, oh my god, a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer for Just Eat. Yeah, was delicious. Just, just did it, wasn't it? Oh, oh here oh. now. But if Just oh. Eat are listening and they're in the they're in the market for a new podcast, we do Creep Dine with me. Da, 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 da. And thus concludes <laughs> trolling for sponsors. Okay, I have a clickbaity headline. Was there ever a noise that just some ways <laughs> that summed up the desperation for a sponsor? No, there wasn't. <laughs> sponsors. Okay, we're getting increasingly hot. I don't know if anyone else is. I have taken my top off mid-record before and I won't. She's wearing another top. I am not. One time she wasn't. No, no, I mean, I'm, I could go. I, thank you. Jen is just patting her down. Thank you. It's actually great to have the commentary in the background. I'm just saying I could get more nude and I'm not apologising. And you can't come at me <laughs> and say that. Don't at me. <laughs> Don't at me. So, my story tonight is called The Real Doctor Who. Ooh. So, this is kind of timely, or I've, I've got a little timely link. Okay. You know, it's leaving certain results week. Yeah, and everyone oh, yeah. on Twitter is going on about how like don't worry guys I, I did shit and yeah. look at me now my I'm co-host of my Steve very Jobs own podcast dropped out of university my, it's like he dropped out of Stanford <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. start Apple yeah. he had a fucking major plan yeah. my favourite uh, tweets though have been like guys don't worry I got really high points and my life is still shit so <laughs> don't worry <laughs> yeah. still so can't true. actually rent in the greater Dublin area yeah. Yeah. I'm commuting from Tullamore and we'll all be dead in 20 years from climate change so everyone's fucked so just relax guys yeah it's all good I, I actually did say to Seb the other night I'm really excited about the way it's all coming to an end. Wow, that's oh, dark. That's really dark. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just Jen's just here nodding, me like, give me that sweet release, sweet release of death. <laughs> death by Bami. I love Bami. I love the fact that we're all fucked together. I mean, I look at my kids and pity them a lot. Yeah, we're wow. really fucked. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> this, yeah, so this goes against the message of, hey kids, exams don't matter, because this is a story about how, in a very, very fucking serious way, a failed second year college exam changed the course of a lot of people's lives for the not good. Oh, okay. This is ringing some sort of like nuggets of. Yeah, something. Yeah, has me this got too. to do with your woman from Desperate Housewives? 
No. Okay. And this isn't this isn't obviously um no, this isn't Elizabeth Holmes either. No, no. I am looking forward to that day though. Same. But it's big though, because I kind of feel like it's been well covered. Yeah, no, I think so I don't know if I'd touch it myself. I think so but I'd enjoy it. Some very serious investigative journalists took that one on. <laughs> so just I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bloodlines? Mm. I'm just trying to remember what the name of it is to recommend to the listener. The dropout. The dropout, that's it. Yeah. Bloodlines is the uh, book. Yes. Anyway, okay. So John Claude Arman was born in France, as you may have guessed, by his mm. nom. That's right. I'm and impressed. he grew up in um, the Jura, which is kind of a little kind of country mountainous area in France. Mm-hmm. I think it's on the right as you're looking at France. On the Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Um, he was the so only there's child. Some nice little chalets around there now. Few, yeah, Clairvaux Lac. It was, I presume, scenic. And... Mm. Um, he was the only child of very, very devoted parents. Aimé, not his mother, as it sounds, but his father, uh, was a timber manager. And uh, he had a very nervy mother called Anne-Marie, who apparently suffered somewhat with depression and anxiety, mm. maybe. It's kind of been implied. So, very hardworking, studious little boy. Um, he went to a very prestigious like prep school um, and then he went on to enroll as a medical student in the early 70s mm-hmm. and um, just kind of like not that remarkable as a teen. Okay. I mean, studious. He went to college, had a kind of a wide network of friends, including, and this could be the first red flag, a distant cousin called Florence, whom he started dating. Oh. Oh. But I mean, were they aware? Distant. Distant. It seems that the families were pro. Now, are we talking distant cousins as in... It might be three third cousins. Oh, Oh, right, okay. It doesn't matter. We're talking... We're not talking distance as in they just weren't close, but they were actually first cousins. I think you're the only one that thought that. Yeah, I just wanted clarity. <laughs> Distance is in. Like, yeah, because I'm back with Jen. Then I do third cousins. That's fine. But wait, yeah. hold on. Were they aware? Yes. It, oh, no, from no. the start. Oh yes. Oh, no. Yes. Oh. But you're talking like, like your mom's cousins, cousins, cousins. It's still child. fucked. Okay. He'd known like oh. of her since they were kids. Yeah, I was gonna say like although like we our family is ridiculously close. Like we know. Uh, all our like third cousins so it's great having really this perspective up. yeah actual Do real we? life cousins, cousins in the studio <laughs> who are our third to cousins to reflect on this I don't even know what the relationship is between your third co- like, do you know what I mean I, like, I, like, like how, how do you make a third cousin yeah, yeah. is your third cousin your parents cousins cousins or is it your cousins 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 who knows? No. I think Not it's more to do with the parents. Yeah, okay. yeah I think like our third I'm... cousins are like our grandparents' cousins. But what about the ones removed? Well, it's obviously because isn't the ones removed? Oh, yeah. 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 Everyone knows about it, but I don't think anyone knows but what it this is. This is just like the Tishel Ginnadoch. Is it I your, tell you, we don't know exactly what it is, but we know it's important. And we need to know what it's not to be fucked about. with. Okay. Don't fuck your cousins, guys. Yeah, don't fuck I'm your with cousins. You. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Megan and I are finally on don't the same page. <laughs> She's been intimidating me since the start of the night. <laughs> right, okay. But is it not? Is it that your first cousins 
once removed is your first cousin's child? No. No, I, I think that's your second cousin. That's your second cousin. I think the first cousin once removed is your parents' cousin. I think we need to hear the story now. Okay. <laughs> because none of us know what the fuck we're no. talking about. And and nobody knows. Like, I'd say, you know, right in and Janice, because but she did knows. come on to a cousin. Oh, no. didn't you shift your cousin? <laughs> oh my God. It was an honest mistake. You did shift your cousin, no? Was Could that you just tell the story, Mike, <laughs> so, to no, defend yourself? Well, it's time we to have tell to, the story. No, we have to hear no, this. No, 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 I need to know who, who, and we need to know this story. I'm not, there's nothing, there's no, I'm not telling, this is not a story. Off you go, tell She was she, making, she does no. protest. I mean, you just were sort of like, you Stop. just okay. I thought you just like nothing. There was no contact, no physical contact. Just tell the story. Okay, of you or no, no, no. <laughs> your story. Tell the creep. Okay, okay. So, um, <laughs> please tell. So the story. he was going out with Florence, and um, but she she broke it off with him after a few months because she said she didn't have time for a serious relationship. Because they were cousins. I mean, genuinely, Perry, that really wasn't coming into it. Uh, what was she studying? Uh, she was studying medicine as well. Okay. So surely oh, there was a module that was going to talk. Story. If anybody wants to go home tonight, <laughs> can we stop interjecting? My apologies. <laughs> okay, but they were, yeah, that's a fair point. They were both studying medicine and surely there was a module at some point that talked about kind of familial closeness yeah, and yeah. the dangers of procreating asking the within your bloodline. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Thank yeah. you, Hazel. <laughs> so, but also cancel your plans and pay for your parking because we're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> Okay, we're on word 184 of 3,108. Oh, my God. Okay, so they split up, as I said, and Roman fell into a deep depression. And he basically, life got away from him a bit. And I think we can all relate to this thing, this what happens here. He failed one of his second year exams, right, at the start of the summer. No big. He could resit it mm-hmm. in September. He spent the whole summer holed up in his studio apartment that his parents had bought him. Nice. And cut himself from off from all friends, from Florence and her gang of friends, because she had, you know, rejected him. Yeah. And they're calling. Um, occasionally called his parents, reassuring them that he was fine, and then went back into his kind of hermit lifestyle of I Just, spiraling down. Yeah. yeah. And I presume he was doing nothing towards I'm going to reset this exam, get back on track. Back in the game, Jean-Claude. No, no. The day the exam arrived and he just never... Didn't show up. Went. So, oh, no. Yeah. Just so got in his head. Summer. It I just... was waiting for it to say he sat there in his studio masturbating us. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he ate a lot of potted meat. Okay. I do whatever that is. Spam. spam. I mean, I guess it's spam. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw I mean, a it's France in the seventies. It is wank fuel. <laughs> wank <laughs> petrol. So. Um, he claimed later that he had a fall and broke his wrist. Which um, is kind of a convenient claim because nobody can really verify it. Uh, there's no record of him being in a cast or anything like that mm. uh, in whatever the fall of 1975. And also, he said it himself later that um, like he could have dictated the exam. So he basically mm. made up an excuse, then kind of undercut his own excuse. He told his parents that very afternoon that the exam went really well. And then three weeks after he missed the reset of the reset of the exam, the results were posted. And everyone presumably was about to know that Jean-Claude had failed. 
It was probably the moment to rectify everything. Mm. But instead, on the day the results were posted, he announced he had passed. Done great and would be proceeding with his studies. <laughs> oh, Which I like his optimism. Where his life began to split into. So it's just to clarify... He's doing medicine. He's doing medicine. It's probably the it's one degree key. where you do need to pass every yeah. exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like people are going to check that. 100%. So he announced he passed the exams and then he returned to his studio like wankfest and just immediately began to lay low again, the self-imposed seclusion. He had, it's like, did he have any fucking plan at all? I don't think so. What year are we so... Like mid-70s, 1975. But he just kind of like retreated into hiding from the problem. And like the problem just was building and building and building on the other side of his door. And he was just in there just Just furiously beating it. Like just not engaging (laughs) with the fucking fact. This pot of meats into his face (laughs) and setting a small fire in his groin. Just (laughs) fucking Bear grill style. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> he um, <laughs> finally his very good friend Luke showed up at his door basically being like what are you at and um, he only at this stage somebody showed yeah, up to check like him months on. into it yeah weird like, it was kind of I think he'd inherited guy. Florence's group but of you friends said, did you not say that he was they had loads of friends well, initially yeah, I think we were kind of connected in with him and Florence as a uh, couple and then okay. I think when it came you know yeah Push to shove. Um, <laughs> they stuck with flow. Okay. Um, so anyway, Probably the better choice. Luke, exactly. Luke kind of assumed that the depression was to do with breaking up with Florence, and obviously never in any way suspected that he had like lied about taking an exam or whatever. And also, it's like a weirdly feebly small kind of misdemeanor in a way. Mm. You know, just fucking defer. Yeah, and start yeah. again like there's so many ways out of this and so, I feel like yeah. lots of us have had things like this in college where you just go okay, keep going with it yeah. yeah but so is he continuously going to college not at this point but so is it's everyone like, only the beginning of the autumn term okay, okay. so uh so Luke's real kind of like, come on, glass half full, like get a pep in your step, put your dick down, let's go outside <laughs> kind of friend. And um, so Rome, uh, Jean-Claude couldn't bear to tell him the truth, that he had just missed an exam. So instead, he just absolutely nailed him with the I have cancer lie. Oh my oh. god! <laughs> oh my god, I didn't think you were going to go that direction. <laughs> such an obvious trajectory there now. Wild! Wild! What the hell? So that obviously shut down any further questioning. <laughs> Just the delivery of the, you know, the old I have cancer. Yeah, the classic, that old chestnut. That we all throw out classic. Every takes us all back to second year college when we hadn't turned in the fucking thesis. Straight to cancer. Straight to cancer. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Because they're all medical students. Well, yeah. And uh, so Jean-Claude felt that cancer would fix everything. Of course. Yeah. No questions. As it tends to do. As it tends to do. <laughs> Tis a well-known fixer of things. No questioning from Jean, uh, from Luke, the friend. Um, so the kind of cancer that he said he had was like living with a ticking time bomb in that conveniently he could be well for years at a time. And, uh, 
at any moment. It could come and go. <laughs> at any moment, if he had anything inconvenient going on in his life that he needed to dodge, it could be back with a vengeance. Um, he soon was talking about being in remission, TG, thank God. Okay. Um, he swore Luke to secrecy, saying only a select few knew of his health condition. <laughs> and, and, and he just felt people admired his bravery and his stoicism. <laughs> no, people didn't need to be told. <laughs> and Luke was like, I really think I should tell Florence <laughs> because I feel she'll think it's really bad if I know and don't, don't. tell her. Yeah. Jean Claude was like, No, no, I am stoic enough <laughs> for all of us. So he returned to student life and embarked on an elaborate pretense that he was still a student attending lectures and hanging around the campus. He rekindled the relationship. With his cousin. Fuck's sake. And two years later, they were engaged. <laughs> Please don't tell me they had children. They had children. Oh, no. <laughs> so, right. Did they have like 14 toes? <laughs> um, I would love to be able to say that they are well. Okay. Oh, God, everyone's face just dropped there. Okay, oh, so... We all know where this is going. What happened was he basically just went to kind of the tail end of lectures, was always seen around the place... He went to so much fucking trouble pretending to be a medical student. He could have just got a fucking medical degree. It literally would have been easier. He like kept up with all of the studies. He cra- did cram sessions with Florence ahead of their exam. Sorry, were his tutors not like you are, don't wait go a minute. Here. You failed. No, like in the lecture halls, it could be hundreds uh, of people. Yeah. And the only thing, the only part of his medical education, I'm doing air quotes that he couldn't take part in was like the kind of uh, clinical sort of work experience sections and they were all farmed out to different hospitals for that but sure like even when they're talking about it like where is he saying that he's at is he just in some random other placement that nobody else knows yeah, about? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm in this hospital over there. And then when he's talking to somebody who's in that hospital, he's like, oh, I'm down that yeah, hospital his, over there. But his close group of friends are all, and his girlfriend slash cousin. And also, did it not get back to the family that he had cancer? <laughs> no, his family in the Jura, no, no. Oh my gosh. Um, so he basically went on to register as a second year medical student for 12 years. Oh my God. In a row. Like every year he just re-registered for that second year and got his student card and then just disappeared again. But why didn't he just fucking do the second year? It's so fucking baffling. Oh my God. Just very concerned. There's so much effort involved here. How did the college not go, you've done this 12 times, you need to stop. (laughs) Finally in 1985... They told they him to fucking stop. did. Okay. But he was paying, <laughs> But it took I 12 years. 12? Oh. It took 12 years for them to, to, to finally be like, who is this person? So what And then they contacted him. Stage. They were Jeez. literally like, who are you? And he just disappeared and they never heard from him again. So, um, yeah, he used to just like hang around classes. But did his friends not realise when they were in their like fourth year of medical school? Sorry, Flo, who was a fully fledged doctor at some stage. So all his friends literally thought he was like a rising star of their year. He just... How? (laughs) Sorry. Well, what happened initially, firstly, was Florence dropped out of med before the end of her studies and became a um, pharmacist. And he completed... Uh, apparently the final course of medical studies but never sat an exam never qualified unbeknownst to everyone like and he was like 
you know, engaged, all like, you know, like deep in their life. He'd said he'd gone to Paris to sit the state board medical exams. That was a lot. You know, his in-laws were so proud of their cousin slash son-in-law <laughs> who was going to be like this incredible. They, they, they kind of, he basically put it about that he never really would wanted to be a practicing doctor. Thanks, Buck. He, he was going to get into research. But he doesn't have that practical skill he that he's not to acquire over he years. Not he's only school. doing second year 12 times. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Each time less than the last. So they got married. And in 1985, uh, the same year that he finally stopped registering for second year, um, <laughs> they had their first child, Caroline. And their second child was born two years later in 1987, Antoine. They received lavish gifts from Jean-Claude's supposed employers oh, at God. the World Health Organization um, where he go big quote or go unquote, home. worked. Um, so they thought he was a successful researcher with the WHO, World Health Organization. And he basically, to anyone who ever asked who kind of in depth, he sort of basically seemed to give an answer that he was working in arteriosclerosis. I presume that after that they didn't ask any follow-up questions. It sounds made up. <laughs> and he also had very influential friends. I mean, it <laughs> but it does. No, but like all it medical like terminology. It medical terms yeah, stuck exactly. together. It's not like he's like, like, oh, I work with pediatrics. And he's yeah. like, oh my God, what's it like working with children? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, what was gonna, it called? Everyone's just going to pretend like they know. Arteriosclerosis. So it's, like, uh, yeah. Let's not try. The, the heart and the spine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Who knows? Anyway, continue. And um, ties with political figures. I mean, he basically just always went very top shelf with all these lies. Love it. Like he wasn't in some kind of like just g- generic lab somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He was with the Something World Health Organization. Safe, yeah. 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 Totally. Like the so, only like probably you know uh, institution we all would have heard of. Yeah. Um. And he also supposedly taught at the University of Dijon. So in actuality, he's what? Mustard. Mustard. Exactly. The University of Mustard. I mean, they weren't paying attention to his lies. University demanded. You got him. (laughs) So he actually just spent his days wandering. (laughs) <laughs> what else is he going to do your research just, yeah. this he, man has been presumably wandering for 18 like, years, 18 years. <laughs> so, this man is to go to the park every day for 18, 18 years. years and Flo isn't questioning the lack of revenue okay so okay. Sorry. Flo took on Sorry. yeah like if he had actually put those 18 years and all the hard work yeah into something positive he could be legit could be a totally different story he could be like an entrepreneur I feel like they have these kind of skills no question (laughs) but yes completely get a job Jean-Claude he's never had a job never what's he been doing for money okay well I'll tell you about that but let me tell you about his days at the World Health Organization so he used to go there right so they live in France he'd have to drive to Geneva Um, every day yeah, now it's they live in a kind of like a little satellite town of kind of people who do the commute called Preva Saint Moin. And um he would go there and use all the free services in the World Health Organization building. So he'd go in with like a visitor card, he'd like 
uh, fleece the place for anything that had like letterhead on it, anything official looking that looked like, you know, came from the World Health Organization so that he could like leave it strewn around his car and his house and his office. So it all He's looked an intelligent very man. Legit. He'd use the bank and the post office there in the World Health Organization. Then he'd read the papers and take naps throughout the day. Where? All day. Every fucking day. In like laybys of motorways. Sometimes <laughs> if he wanted to be among nature, he would drive to the Jura Mountains. And just lie down in the grass. Yeah. Or stroll around Lyon or Bourg-en-Bresse. So this bastard isn't even like reading or out. Like he's not just... He's not putting it to any bit well, of He's reading the papers. But yeah, he's really not. Did the people in the World Health Organization not look at him after 18 years and go, why are you still here? No. Never a whiff from that side. Was he, just, he, also, he was just in the reception. He was just down around reception. For 18 years. <laughs> Five days there. a week. Now, I think he really slacked off towards the end and didn't really go near the place for months at a time. I think. He must have gotten bored. Oh yeah, I like what the hell happens to a person in mm. those hours where I'm pretending I'm at work again today. It's insane. He's also, right Florence now. is at home with two young children and he's taking fucking naps in a lay-by. You'd be raging. We're, we need to know. He also it. used to go on business trips, fake business trips, where he would... Just go and stay at a hotel near Geneva Airport and tell them that he was off at a conference in Argentina. Well, come here. I'm assuming the World Health Organization pays pretty well, like. Yeah. So you want to know. His folks were loaded. We know that. Sniff of an affair? Yeah. The guy was a... he, He loved being alone. He spent all that time in his attic. He loved the status in his kind of play acty life with his wife and his kids and all their friends. They were still friends with all the same people from college. He's still best friends with that guy, Luke. To this day. Well. mm. Okay. So he's got no graduation pictures or anything. No fucking degree. He's got no piece of paper on the wall. Like, no. Many times are you asked for your graduation picture and... He never asked for that stuff. No. no. He I, never graduated. Instead, he just had a frame. Sore point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and look at her now, kids. <laughs> the leaving cert does not Case matter. Case and point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the finances. How the fuck did he mm. work it out? Right. Do you remember the studio apartment? Yeah. That his parents bought him when he was yeah. in college. Who the fuck is given an apartment? Mm. He sold it um, when him and Florence got married. And his parents just seemed like unbelievably cowed by him. I think there's a sense that they kind of couldn't really believe that their son was like this kind of academic mm. kind of talent. And they were just like, they just let Jean-Claude do whatever Jean-Claude was doing. And they never said, for example, like, oh, okay, you sold the apartment, we'll have our money or anything. They just, it was his. And so he sold that and like made reasonably good money. He also just totally continued to live off his parents for years. Even after he had a supposed job with a salary, he'd just help himself to their savings whenever. And he had access granted by them. And they did not question it. Then... They they must have been minted, though. Like, if he lived 18 years of his life off them. Ah, no, no, no. He didn't live 18 years off them. Like, he was kind of in his 20s in the kind of first few years. I don't think they were minted. Like, they lived in the country. They were quite rural. Like, I think they had some investments but 
not crazy money at all. I don't think they were wealthy. Um, But he did kind of live off Florence's salary. And also, he put it about that basically, because he was like a civil servant in Switzerland, he had this incredible kind of rate of interest that he could get on investments and that he could invest money for various family members. Oh, dear. And he'd look after their interests and put them in imaginary hedge funds and foreign ventures. And so he got huge sums of money off like his uncle, Florence's parents. Um, it's not enough that he's riding his cousin. He is. He's now <laughs> fleecing the he's rest of them. fleecing everyone. He was given tens of thousands of francs by everyone, family, friends. This is, this is particularly fucking horrible. He told a relative who had been diagnosed with cancer that he could get them experimental drugs. They just needed to hand over thousands in cash. Wait, sorry. Also, going back to his cancer. When, <laughs> Miracle. When was he He's cured? He's very stoic. <laughs> He's very stoic. When was he cured? But nobody knew We her. actually haven't heard the last of the cancer. Oh, oh. Sorry. apologies. So he's an absolute creep. Like he literally gave somebody some fucking anodin and told them it was experimental cancer medication and took oh thousands God, of... I'm assuming person. that that didn't work and didn't cure them. But Amazingly. It did. It did. <laughs> Would you believe they were sleeping with the curtains open and were being rejuvenated by the light of the moon and they're all very well I'm ringing psychics all evening. Cassie's gone. So, um, on their tax returns, he'd basically have Florence declare her income. Then he'd say to her, I don't need to declare because I work in Switzerland. And then after she'd signed, he'd take it back and just write, student. <laughs> Under his occupation and send off his fucking student card. Yes. I'm a little student. No one had his office number. No one had ever managed to ring him at work. He had an answering service. Exactly. He had an answering service for people to leave messages on. And Florence said, My husband is the great compartmentalizer. One of these days, I'm going to find out that my husband is a communist spy, joked Florence. Oh, Jesus, Florence, get out of there. I can't believe she wasn't twigging it. So I mean, it is truly amazing, but I swear, like... She didn't. Well, no. he must have had fictitious colleagues and coming home with stories and be like, oh, Steve was a real cunt again today. Yeah, like, yeah I think, to be honest, honestly, I don't think he talked a lot about work. And I think he said, he made it this big point of his kind of persona. Oh, work-life balance. Was like, yeah, like... You know, I'm with my family, I'm en famille, you know, spit on those food. <laughs> you know, whatever, like, don't take the office home. And he was a great family man. Like, oh, they definitely said stuff like, you know, he always dropped the kids to school at the time. And all the other moms were just like fucking jizzing their pants. Like, oh, Jean-Claude, he is such a good papa. You know, <laughs> so de- devoted. But he was dro- Dropping the kids. He's just dropping them on the way to a fucking nap. Or a fictitious so, business trip where you're going nice to lie stay. in a hotel for exactly. four days. Exactly, nice stay in a hotel. I know, the bloody money. Like, I was like, what? <sighs> but anyway, um, he said later that the social part was false, but the emotional part was true. He was a fake doctor, but a real husband and father. We know that. A lovely sentiment. That's just a fact. Okay. Yeah. It's all he so ever did. Not the, this is so he well basically rested. got the whole thing down pat. Great form because he was always well rested. In the early nineties, a woman called Cohen 
moved to the area with her then husband, Remy. And uh, he was a psychiatrist, she was a child psychologist. And they kind of moved into the community where all these lads lived and they kind of scandalised everyone with their kind of free-loving, free-wheeling, kind of free-spendy ways. And um, she tried it on with Luke initially, uh, this woman, and Luke was like, bah, 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 bah. No. <laughs> what do you mean? Try- no. She tried to... She tried it on, she tried to seduce Luke. Interesting. And... Um, Obviously, Jean-Claude kind of spotted this, but he was like, you know, he just kind of was retiring and didn't kind of... Stoic. Just so stoic. <laughs> so stoic. And uh, so eventually, um, Corinne moved away in the kind of like, leaving a kind of wake of scandal behind her and took her two daughters uh, and moved to Paris. And then Jean-Claude and Florence said they visited her in her new apartment in Paris. And they had a very nice dinner. Uh, Corinne was kind of a bit surprised to see them because they hadn't like, you know, been amazing friends. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a few weeks after the dinner, beautiful bouquet of flowers arrived from Jean-Claude. Uh-oh. Not good. And uh, so he invited her out for um, a meal to a very, very fancy restaurant. Corrine was suddenly really impressed. She actually thought he was a really boring researcher. And then basically he came to Paris, winder and dinder. He was staying in some five-star hotel. She was like, oh, oh, oh. I like this oh, new Jean-Claude. And he was like, oh, I'm doing work in Paris for some of the most important men in the world. <laughs> you know, and like spoofing her massive style. Started to visit her regularly. Uh, Avi had the time. Pop up to Paris for a night a week. The affair. Take Corrine out. Spend stupid money on her. Um, like, so he first proclaimed his kind of love for her and she kind of like acted kind of like, oh no, Jean-Claude, I thought you loved me from my mind. And he was like, no, I want to, you know, that's why I'm here. So I bought the spam. I bought the spam. <laughs> and, uh, I was just thinking maybe we could. Uh... And then he was like, I am sorry, I'm sorry. I've overstepped the mark. Please take this diamond and emerald gold ring worth 20,000 francs as an apology. And she was like, okay, I will. So <laughs> <laughs> they continued to meet in secret every week. And he started getting Anna Flahulok with the money, signing checks here, there and everywhere, buying a fancy Land Rover, lavishing Corrine in gifts, shouting on about getting a pied-à-terre in Paris. What's by Florence? She's just at and home doing fucking bath and bedtime with those Fuck children. I know. And she just thinks he's doing work in Paris once a week. Wow. He's, yeah. Asshole. He's getting a job. A blow job. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that. <laughs> so anyway, it, the stress of it all, though, was getting to him a little bit. <laughs> so he's juggling with all his Someone else's family. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't had Her two nap. kids. He's down yeah. on naps. Yeah. Um, he's up on logistical nightmare. Anyway, he decided to confide in Luke um, uh, about the affair. And Luke blew up. And was mm. disgusted. Fair play, Luke. Um, yeah. So uh, after he kind of confided in Luke, he took Corrine away for a holiday in Rome. And they broke up after a few days. Oh, awkward. Um, and Corrine said it was because Jean-Claude was too sad. Um, what is that? I think just like just such a downer, impotent, just a bit Debbie Downer. I think Jean Claude was just a bit like, uh, oh, I don't know. 
Anyway, so he then went off and joined his family on holiday. No, sound. Oh. Totally sound. <laughs> where he claims that he attempted to take his own life by jumping into a ravine. But apparently he got caught on the branches. <laughs> that lowered him to safety. <laughs> that lowered him to safety. And Miracle. just gave a few surface scratches. Yeah. God um, is on his but side. But he, arri- he arrived home realising he needed to account for the scratches. So he told Florence that he had been in a terrible car collision, but he had survived. <laughs> stoic that he is. <laughs> so fucking stoic. <laughs> <laughs> so he arrived home in bits and he was like, and Florence was like, what's going on, Jean-Claude? Like, you've been in terrible form. You've been in a terrible mood ever since, you know, you arrived on the holiday. Sad. And he said that... Her, his boss had died and then he sobbed all night long. <laughs> he is a massive drag. He is such he's, a creep. He is such yeah. a drag. So he's basically just sobbing over breaking up with his girlfriend. Into his wife's arms. Into his wife's arms, pretending it's about a fictitious boss and that he survived a fictitious car accident. <laughs> so... On top of his fictitious cancer. Well, I was about to say, Natch, a couple of months later, his dormant cancer had returned. <laughs> oh, my God. And he used this as leverage to get Luke back on side, which worked. Because Luke was the only one that knew he had cancer to be able Exactly. With. Yes, and that he had had an affair with Corrine. So, oh. Jean-Claude took to the bed for a long, drawn-out period of convalescence, during which Florence took care of the children and the household what's and new? him. I, what's new? And he and Corrine resumed their connection. How? From his bed? Yeah. He then returned to Paris in December to rekindle. Fuck this guy. That she then kind of keeps him on the hook a bit, but still kind of fucks around. She She's just having, wants the diamond ring. She just yeah. wants the yeah. kind of, yeah. Now, so unfortunately, though, she makes a bit of a misstep here. So she had sold a piece of property. She'd come into some money, nearly a million francs. And... Uh, she decided to ask Jean-Claude's advice on investing. Oh, no, oh, dear. And this really couldn't have come at a better time because Jean-Claude was completely financially fucked. So he agreed, stoic that he is, that he would invest it in Geneva on her behalf. Um, so this was actually a first for him. It was the first time he had defrauded somebody who wasn't an elderly member of his family. Um, as it happened, obviously, he was in financial dire straits. Um, so, like, over the course of the marriage, right, the mother-in-law had sold the family home and actually, without Florence knowing, had handed the whole fucking lot over to Jean-Claude to oh invest and do with what he needed to do. This was after Florence's dad had died. And there is some suspicion. Amy. No, Florence's dad. So oh, sorry. So, Jean-Claude's father-in-law. Jean-Claude's father-in-law died... From a fall down the stairs. No. He was pushed. He was alone with Jean-Claude at the time. No. Oh my God. But that is unverified. But it's very suspicious. Very. So this all that money was now running out. TG, Karina just handed over 900 grand. In cash, she'd withdrawn, handed it to him, no receipt, nothing on paper. Just, there you go, Jean-Claude. I would like you to double my money, please, Mr. Investor. 
And so he was like, Brill, I've got this. Pay off a few of the bank accounts that had gone into overdraft. Now, Corrine was like, I want to be able to get it back whenever I need it, though. Like Jean-Claude, no fucking around kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Like, literally started spending it with abandon, like... Basically, I think he kind of knew he was coming to the end of the road and he was just weirdly paralyzed and just kind of going, it's all on fire. It's like, fuck it now anyway. I'll just fuck it now anyway. Started hiding from Corrine's frantic calls to his answering service and she was too scared to contact his house and risk getting the wife. Then finally, she kind of managed to corner him over the summer, demanding her money back. And Jean-Claude was like, it is not that simple. Um, offered a kind of a garbled explanation as to why she would like risk losing her interest if she withdrew any of the yeah. funds before September. She was like, what the fuck, Jean-Claude? Around the time of this financial crisis, his credit cards show um, a huge upswing in purchase of endless pornography and massages. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. All men are the same. Okay. Just, yeah. Okay, go on. So... In the autumn, right? <laughs> In an interesting move, he joined, amid all of this bullshit, he joined the board of the children's school. And he got embroiled in a bizarre side plot that, like, belongs on the Vicar of Dibley as a plot line. <laughs> but it actually eventually led to the complete dismantling of his life. So he was on the board, right? And everyone on the board was in, like, they were up in arms because the school's headmaster had been found to be having an affair with one of the teachers and the headmaster was married and it was a scandal. And so everyone on the board, Luke was on the board, Florence, was, you know what I mean? Like, they're all on the fucking board. Now, Florence wasn't actually, but Luke was on the board. He said, so the board voted unanimously that they would oust the headmaster and, you know, put somebody new in place. Now, Jean-Claude voted along with everyone else. It's not up for debate. It was a unanimous vote. He went home to Florence and he was like, I fought the decision. They're trying to take away the right of this headmaster's privacy. And Florence approved that he would fight for the headmaster's rights. She was impressed with his stoicism. (laughs) Just taking on this fight. And... So it was another in a long line of bizarre and unnecessary lies. Like, he insisted that he had fought for the principal's right to remain in the post. Um, He completely didn't. When the school started back and everyone discovered that the headmaster was out of the job, as was voted by the board, Florence was very irate. And she mounted a campaign to overturn the decision. And it turned into a bitter feud among everyone on the board all the parents in the school like meanwhile Jean-Claude is just like jacking up that porn bill fucking hiding from Corrine paying off all the debts murdering relatives potentially stealing their fucking money Florence is like fighting in the schoolyard with the other parents and um, eventually her and Luke had this like showdown and Luke said told Florence that Jean-Claude had voted along with everyone else to get him out of there. And Luke said that he remembered the moment vividly because it was like a light went off in Florence's eyes. And she, it was her basically, it was the first revelation that he he had lied to her. It's all bullshit. 
and that he had lied to her about anything. The very next day, she ran into a woman who worked for the World Health Organization. <gasps> yes! Who asked her if they were coming to the family Christmas party. Having not heard of the party, Florence apparently muttered, I really should be annoyed at my husband this time. Now, it was cryptic. The woman was like, huh, okay. <laughs> Bye, Florence. Bonne Noël. Um, so then, so all things are kind of stacking up a tiny bit for Florence. And she's kind of like, huh? Hmm. Just before Christmas, one of the members of the board, again, like, just don't fucking join this board. You have enough on your plate, Jean-Claude. One of the members of the board wanted to follow up with Jean-Claude about the, the fucking debacle. Um, and he asked his secretary to contact Jean-Claude at the WHO offices and she came back with nothing. Then they looked up an international directory and still found no trace. And he was like, that's odd. But he forgot about it until he ran into Florence a few weeks later. And he wasn't suspicious, but he was like, this was weird and curious. And he kind of said it to her and she agreed it was strange and that she'd ask her husband about it. But then Florence and this man didn't see each other again because one week later, she was dead. Oh, dear. Fuck. So. One week later, Florence was dead. Yeah. You can't deliver it like that. I'm so invested. <laughs> She's dead. It's the best way to be, for it to be delivered. Jean-Claude was running out of rope. Money was running out. Florence was discovering little by little his bullshit. Still flew to Paris to take Corinne out for fucking dinner and to buy her a two grand notebook. 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 I think it was very special. I don't know more about <laughs> it the notebook. It must have been like a Louis V job. Yeah, yeah, LV. Hmm. Yeah. Um, she told him she wanted her money back. He told her he was due to go to dinner with the French Minister of Health. Oh, um, and convenient. would you like to join him? And she was like, "Yeah, but I want your my money back too." And he's like, "I'll give you the money that night. What night shall we go to dinner with the Minister for Health?" He suggested the 9th or the 16th of January. She picked the 9th because she wanted her fucking money back. And he noted it in his diary, knowing that he would be dead by then. Oh. So on the flight home, he says he tried to choose which day to kill himself. And he decided that Christmas would be too cruel to, for the children. They that were was both, kind of him. They were both yeah. in the nativity at church. Stoic. Stoic. <laughs> Always thinking of others. He is. He is. He's incredibly Always. selfless. Caroline was seven at this point and Antoine was five. Um, he decided it had to be right after New Year's. So he collected his parents, brought them home over for Christmas and he got some documents. We know he got some documents from the parents' house to burn because they contained like a faithful account of his years and years and years of deception. So... Apparently over the Christmas period, he tried to write Florence a few letters and make a few tape recordings um, for her to kind of get after um, his death. Um, he spent the last week with the family. They skied while Jean-Claude stayed in the restaurant, not a big skier. He was reading up on suicide, um, a book called Final Exit. <laughs> Do not recommend. Meanwhile, Florence is dead how long? No, no, she, there is still alive. She's still alive. He she still killed your one from the... No, no. Remember oh, I said, they just said that a week later. So this is the week in between. Okay, so they're both going to die the same week. No. Well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're jumping the gun Sorry, here. my apologies. No, it's all good. So um, he then, so he was making kind of decisions about how to do it. So he decided on barbiturates and he asked the local pharmacist who knew them well because he was Florence's old boss. 
Um, and he said they were for research purposes and the local uh, pharmacist wasn't like, oh, do you not have drugs in the World Health Organization lab? Um, and he like helped him choose the barbiturates apparently. And, you know, he was just doing all the family stuff with his kids. Uh, Antoine did his first red uh, run on the skis. Oh, yeah. Um, and so then on the 9th of January, 1993, uh, Jean-Claude withdrew 2,000 francs and he got a big rifle from his dad, um, for which he then went to a shop and purchased a silencer, a stun wand and tear gas. What? And asked for them to be gift wrapped. What? (laughs) Why? (laughs) What is going on in this man's head? Okay, there is literally no fucking telling. But it seems like, okay, so at the trial, he definitely was trying to pretend that like, he had kind of one like train of conscious thought that was like, I'm going to kill myself. There's no other way out. But then, like, another part of him's like, I'm buying these bullets. It's not for any reason other so, than... So there's a trial. Him. So he didn't kill so himself. He so he's alive. He's alive. So at the exact moment that he is buying bullets and pretending to himself that they are for any other reason other than to... Kill his family. End his family's lives. Oh, God. Florence was serving tea to two friends who remember her picking up, this is creepy, a framed photograph of Jean-Claude as a child and saying, look how cute he is. There can't be anything bad behind those eyes. Weird. I know. Weird that they also she was fucking closing in on him. She was. I think she really was. You know the way you just get that gut feeling about things? Yeah. She must have just had that pit. Let's be honest. But it was happening. True. Um, she couldn't have been the smartest doing this yet. There was a lot of shit going on. <laughs> on the Friday, he collected his barbiturates. Then he met up with Florence at a flower shop to buy a flower for some friends who had just had a baby. Signed a card. Then he went to the supermarket and bought two jerry cans and filled them with petrol on his way home. Was she All just normal in the errands? And uh, no, she had gone her separate way after they signed the card. Um, after school he collected the children they went to a department store and bought a birthday gift for a family friend then they all went home kids drew pictures before bed to go with the present and then that night he beat Florence to death with a rolling pin sorry what What? he he had a rifle he had barbiturates he had tear tear gas and he chose a fucking rolling pin he also had two jerry cans full of petrol why Why now? Why did he have to beat Sorry. her like that? It, what the fuck? It defies any kind of rational and logic. And like, beat her? What did she ever fucking do? Uh, Un-fucking-real. So he beat her in the house where his children slept? Yeah. He covered her with the blanket until morning. And then when they got he, up... He went to bed. Did I, he get in the bed beside her? I think well, there's some. I felt like there was some suggestion that he did sleep in the room with her. I'm not totally, totally he lo- sure. He does really enjoy it's good naps. He does <laughs> love his naps. <laughs> Sounds like it. He is a creep. Yeah. Um. He got up in the morning with the kids. Um. He told them that uh, that mama was. Dead. Having a rest. Resting. Resting. Oh, right. She was that rest. Having a nap. I've she beaten, deserved it. I've beaten your mother with a rolling pin to death. <laughs> now, off to school. Off to school. Back no, he let car. them watch cartoons. Oh, great. They all sat down on the couch and watched cartoons in the morning and had breakfast. 
and they kind of went about the day actually with Florence upstairs dead uh huh and then it's so grim he oh, killed he... the kids oh, of course oh, he did no. of course he did yeah I'm gonna just move straight on afterwards he went out to the local news agents to buy newspapers and the vendor said he looked completely normal so, sorry what was his plan his plan was thus the next morning so he spent another night in the house with his dead family and then the yeah. next morning he drove to his parents house where they had lunch oh no oh, oh my dear. god I know and then he killed did them. he you, what he did killed he killed his parents as well why is that more shocking than but his why children? Why does he need to kill his parents? Why did he too? need to kill his wife or his children? Well, she was How did he kill everyone did else? Did he use any of the, the supplies? It's important. Yeah. He used the gun on the kids and the parents. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, at least it was in. It's coming up. Yeah, okay. At least it was like. Quick, quick, thank you. No rolling pin. No, yeah. Like that fucking rolling pin. Like, like yeah. that's a bit grim, isn't it? Fucking so grim. It would want to be a big one. Like, so, she's family. Jesus, Jen. <laughs> so, you know, after the parents. Cousins. Get it? Okay. Get it? Jesus. Um, I don't think any of us got it. I got it, Jen. Don't <laughs> worry. You. Don't worry. Cassie still hasn't a clue what's happening. Cassie's <laughs> taking down the time code to cut that out. <laughs> oh, what was wrong with that? It was okay. just a fact. Okay. So, he went from the parents' house up to meet Kareen in Paris. Because they had their dinner with the health minister. Oh, it's the 9th of January. Exactly. I hope he kills Kareen. Bernard Kushner. So, he gets Kareen in the car and they drive to the Minister for Health's home, which is actually just an X on a map that he just marked arbitrarily before they got in the car. (laughs) And he fucking just, he goes full second year college on this one and just starts driving. And he's got no fucking plan at all. And Corrine's kind of haranguing him because she wants her money. She wants to go to the glam dinner party that they're supposed to be going to. Jean-Claude's a fucking drag. And he's there. I can't believe this is all the same story. This is the same story. This is the same week. Week. It's the same matter of days. It's days since Florence. And so anyway... He finally, he's like, I think we're lost. They've been driving for hours in this extremely tense car. Like, it's about 11 o'clock at night by now. They're well late for dinner. He says, I think they're lost. They have a big fight. Then he's like, I got you a necklace. I got you a gift, Corinne. And Corinne, as we know, is very partial. And she's like, all right. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> give it to me. I'll take give it. it to me. And then she's like, okay. Oh, yeah. But the I, necklace is laced with petrol. Well, God. <laughs> and tear gas. <laughs> and, uh, it's rifle bent into the tape of necklace. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So she gets out of the car for him to do their usual thing of him, like, putting the necklace on her. But the next thing you know, he gets her in the face with the tear gas. And she's blinded and she can't see. And she completely fucking loses it and starts punching and kicking and screaming and pleading for her life until he kind of apparently shaken backs off fair play to he's her. such a fucking coward wait no and he apologised he <laughs> shot his children but is Beat. freaked by her punching and kicking exactly. yes exactly Blindly. because he is the most hideous Blindly. coward ever walk away <laughs> yeah. Walk away from the 
blind person who's trying to. But keep- like he literally shot everyone in the back. Like okay, he is a fucking piece of. Yeah, but he beat his wife with the rolling well, pin. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I know, I know. But like, I'm just saying that, like, what? <laughs> he shot them in the back. No, I was saying except for that. No, but I wasn't saying that. Like, as in that was an act of mercy. I was just saying that, like, he's he can't cope with what he's doing. Everybody. Um, it would take a while to kill someone with a rolling pin. Oh, stop. It stop. You can stop. stop. It was quick. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. So, anyway, they get back in the car, right? Stop. And they have an awkward moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, Momo, come on. <laughs> she gets back in the car. She's man. in the middle of nowhere and she doesn't know what to That's do. Irrelevant. Oh, my God. Not getting back in the car with someone who definitely tried to kill you is... Oh, it's, sorry, what year is he, this again? It's 1993. He apologises for his attempt to murder her. <laughs> but, and she was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it, mate. And she was fucking terrified. And she was like, that's okay, Ramon. Like, or okay. Jean-Claude. You know, she was trying to talk him down. Okay. She was, you know, traumatised. Still couldn't see, presumably, either. So she Burny eyes. She was options. kind of, yeah, at his mercy a bit. Um, anyway, he brought her home. And then he went back to his family home. Still. Yeah. He didn't kill her? Mm-mm. No, he let her live so he went back to his family home where his parents were lying dead no no his family home where yeah. all the, the, other, the other family the other family home Sorry, my, my people bad. and he sat and watched television for hours and hours and hours and they know this because he apparently took a, a tape and recorded hours of him flicking between channels um, what yeah you know like just like a, like a mad person basically I think because he was so then, very late that night, at like about three or four in the morning, he finally takes some kind of decisive action. But it's a strange kind of action. He poured petrol all around the house, set it on fire, then took an overdose of not the barbiturates that he had gotten recently from the pharmacy, but some out-of-date sleeping pills. They believe that this was a fake attempt to try and make it look like he was trying to commit suicide because he didn't he used these stupid pills they weren't mm. the right ones he took it did it all in the wrong order like should have taken the pills then started the fire not start the mm. fire take the pills he also started yeah. the fire at the exact time that the road cleaners start at 4am so they like he hadn't even like lost consciousness when the first firemen arrived at the door of the family home do you know that kind of way yeah and then also um he like opened his bedroom window and like you know <gasps> yeah need a bit of air yeah <laughs> kind of kind of waved to them like, I'm, oh my god so he survived the blaze refused to talk to the police during the first round of questioning tried to claim that a man in black had attacked the family but it all unraveled like laughably quick because his parents and the family dog were dead 50 miles away he'd attempted to murder his ex-mistress <laughs> Had all of these murderous supplies in the house, loads of debt and stuff. A lot of, lot of no, fake, fake doctor. Yeah, and lot, all the porn, lot of shit, lot and of all shit. the spam. Don't so forget stoic. the spam. <laughs> so on July 6 1996, he was sentenced to life imprisonment, with no possibility of parole for 22 years. 
The trial threw up a whole lot of creep deets, such as a friendship that developed between Jean-Claude and his dead son's teacher. After the fact. After the fact. So she said the class were very traumatised by the death of their little friend. And she, over the course of correspondence with Jean-Claude, kind of, they struck up a friendship. He was hopeless in prison and she decided to have her young pupils draw pictures for someone who needed cheering up. Oh my never God. telling them. Oh God. Who they were for. And he in turn sent her cringy love poems. <sighs> he um, served 26 years and he got out a few months ago. <gasps> Stop. So this man is alive and roaming around the streets of France, He's napping in playbys. <laughs> just napping away. If ever I'm in France and I see a car parked in like a layby, wide berth. No. Yeah. He's just up there in UCD doing second year man second year man <laughs> again over and yeah, over and over and over again yeah he's like 60 early 60s now fuck he, him oh, sorry, he killed how many five people five and attempted and a, a six. Oh, and a dog yeah that's a sad part and he was only in prison for 26 years and now he's out roaming roaming the world yeah it's 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 awful. so awful do, do we know what he looks like to keep an but eye on him. Like, he's not, yeah. he's not mean, a hunt. Like he can't, he's obviously an intelligent man to well, get mm, to a certain stage in his life with like fucking around basically and all the money and the investing and convincing people and manipulating people. Yeah. But then it all obviously got a bit much. But like, let's see. Sorry, we're just looking at a photo. Sorry. Oh, oh, that's an interesting reaction. <laughs> He's not as attractive as the earlier murderer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie Stairs. Uh, no. 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 He's just out. That's fucking... I know. Apparently for the first year, he's under some kind of like, he's got a uh, an anklet, uh, you know, tag, yeah. tag. But he should surely be in like a mental forward. institution. Should he not have got like at least 25 years per person he killed? Yeah. And like be, still be there in prison. I mean, yeah, I think 25 per person, yeah, makes way more sense. Yeah, oh. and the children. Oh. Won't somebody think <laughs> of the children? There's no... It's been a dark, dark episode. That's been, it's been a <laughs> yeah. very dark but night. But no levity. No. Um, I feel... But what about the porn... <laughs> the porn binge? That was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't enough to save us from no. the bleakness. I have to do a massive source credit because there is virtually nothing online about this story and I read The Adversary by Emmanuel Carrere which um, was by an American or a French novelist who had a correspondence with Jean-Claude and attended the entire trial and it is a very uh, compelling book you read a whole book for this? Yeah, shout out to that guy who said we didn't do enough research. <laughs> I watched a movie, so well there you go. You. Oh, there's been a couple of movies based on this. They are French, okay. and there is also an episode of Law and Order, of course. Obviously, oh, is there? But Criminal Intent, not SVU. Oh, okay. Criminal Intent, yeah. less my jam. Yeah, same. Yeah, mm. SVU all the way. Yeah. Anyway, how long is this episode now? Nine hundred years long. Hours. Um, yeah, that was about three hours long, but. Uh, Thank you, I'm Sophie. So, I'm sorry. It, it had everything. It, it had everything. everything. Yeah, I know, it was good. It started off what I thought was like a kind of Patch Adams story. And <laughs> yeah. Really went a very different way. Yeah. Um, 
So, so different. So the rolling dark. pin particularly. Yeah. yeah. All the supplies I'll he never had. make a tart the same again. The no. gift wrapped tear gas. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stunning. A classic. Yeah. For the Chris Gindle. What a beautiful story to tell for our first ever Creep Dine with me. Thank you so much to Megan and Hazel. You were sitting in no this problem. small sauna Thanks for having us It's actually not that hot. No. Ah, there we go. <laughs> if you too would like to come and sit in the studio for three hours, <laughs> do send us a DM at the creep dive you can send us a message on twitter at dive creep although sophie did just admit that she hasn't read any of them yet <laughs> you can email us at email cassie at talltales.ie with your buzzfeed headline but creep dive me is exclusively for patrons so sign up at patreon.com forward slash the creep dive yes and thank you so much to all our patrons we love you best adore you and no because we have yet, some know. They're on the way. And <laughs> we have some musical guests. We're going to do a five-part harmony oh. to end it out. Oh, God. Sophie, count us down. And a one, and a two, and a three. The, the Creep Dive. Awful. Awesome. <laughs> Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.